All hands, prepare for the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 14, and our topic this week is the engineers of Star Trek. I'm Aaron Gallo. I'm Marty Hogan. And I'm Eric Berry. How are you guys doing this week? Oh, good. Yeah, pretty good, just dealing with some weather here in Chicago. So it's horrible out there? Yeah, we're, we're getting pretty much dumped on. We got seven inches just in the past few hours. And wow. Are you getting a, the precursor of what we have? Yeah, that's essentially what's going on. So it'll build up and you guys will get the majority of it, but well, yeah. it's it's pretty bad here. The the commute was terrible and I only have to drive five miles to work, so it took me get, like an hour and fifteen minutes to get home. You you have lake effect too, right? Uh yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so that's even worse. Yeah, we're gonna have ocean effect. Yeah, I know, that could be worse too, but typically we yeah. don't get the the whole year we haven't been getting that. Anyways, uh yeah. Plus, we have it even worse than Eric because there's a storm in the south that's coming up to meet this storm. Oh, great. So it's so like a cluster team. Yeah. of storms. Great. Yeah. It is the equivalent, and I hate to say this, but this is the equivalent of the Blizzard of 78. This is how it happened. Two boom, storms. Boom, boom, boom. So I, I guess we should probably get into the news. Go ahead, Aaron. What's on the news this week? Okay, so... The Super Bowl just happened this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Did you guys watch it? Yes. Yeah, mainly for the commercials. <laughs> right. And actually, I'm going to talk about the commercials right now. So Lincoln Motor Company had a Super Bowl commercial that featured Will Wheaton. Uh, Will Wheaton? Yes. And the uh, commercial <laughs> featured a woman driving the car around and encountering some interesting people. And the scene in which Will Wheaton is featured in, the woman ruins a like sci-fi movie film set. And Will right. Wheaton's holding one of those scene plaques. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like the, the movie marker. like the yeah. Yeah. They called that yeah, a clipboard. Exactly. Do they? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was holding the clipboard. So he wasn't actually doing... He wasn't actually in the film that was being filmed for the commercial movie yeah yeah okay nice to see that he's uh getting some work yeah he was in it for like a second uh, it, it'll be in the show notes if you, any of you people out there want to check it out we'll have I a did, link i just can't believe that uh i didn't see that one see i saw the commercial i remember seeing it but i don't remember seeing will we in it yeah it was like uh like literally maybe a second that he's in it Oh, wow. So I probably blinked and missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So it was just a bearded guy. You know how but he is now. I do remember that part of that uh, scene was at the Vasquez Rocks, where many Star Trek, kind of a famous setting. It's where Kirk fought the Gorn. And right. Really? So I remember, yeah, so when they were doing that sci-fi shoot, they were filming in a place that is famous for sci-fi shoots. So yeah. I, I do remember so that, but did, um, uh, isn't that where Galaxy Quest did their scenes too? 
Yeah, and then they did like Bill and Ted. Uh, yep. Bogus Journey was filmed there, so yeah, right. where they get thrown off the rocks. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty famous place, and I remember that being in the commercial. I just didn't see Will Wheaton in it. <laughs> yeah, it would would have been easy to miss, but you can always rewatch it on YouTube. Woohoo! So next we have another Super Bowl commercial. It was the Bud Light commercial entitled Lucky Chair, and it had Zoe Saldana. Saldana. Thank you, Eric. Well, it was was actually a a commercial in a a series of commercials on that night for Mm -hmm. Bud, if you notice, because it was all that voodoo guy. Yeah, you know what? I really didn't like those commercials. No? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I wasn't a real big fan of them, but I, I, I did notice uh, her in it. She <laughs> looked pretty good. I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to be blind not to notice her. She was um, in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I thought it was a good cameo. And even my um, uh, my roommate's girlfriend said, oh, yeah, that's the girl from Star Trek. So, <laughs> so yeah, she's... Yeah. Uh, Pretty recognizable. At least there's a girl from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, at least there's one girl from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Well, there'll be a, at least one more girl in the next Star Trek. What is her name? Uh, Carol Marcus. I don't know the actress's name. Uh, oh, I know who Alice. you're talking about. Uh, Alice Eve. Eve. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Was uh, Rand in the last Star Trek movie? No, but they mentioned her. Um, okay. There's one part, the part where um, Kirk's hands are swelling up, mm-hmm. and McCoy says, "I need Nurse Rand." Okay. And so he just was she a nurse? Him. Yeah, she was Nurse Chapel. Oh, oh yeah. Nurse Chapel. Oh yeah, you're right. He says right. Chapel, not Chapel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, Rand is on the bridge. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm getting my uh, women of Star Trek. You belong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So next, we have. Are do either of you play the lottery? Yes. Uh, I, I don't. Aaron, as you know, my mother won half a million dollars on scratch tickets. That's true. Wow. I don't. Two I years don't. ago, she won half a million dollars on a brand new scratch ticket. Oh, that's awesome. So if any of you people out there want to win money and live in Texas... Oh, uh, oh there you go. That's the, <laughs> the deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. The Texas Lottery will be unveiling a Star Trek scratch ticket in March. To mark the event, uh, they will have William Shatner himself at the Dallas Convention Center to scratch the first ticket. Wouldn't that be funny if he wins half a million dollars? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> he doesn't need yeah. it, but... Yeah. I've heard that's not all he scratches. Anyways. <laughs> They're also going to try to break the Guinness World Record for the largest gathering of Star Trek outfitted attendees in one place. Oh, that's awesome. Really? Yeah. So that, do, that would be cool. Do you know what the record is? Uh, I don't offhand, but mm. yeah. I think so the, are, are they doing anything else for the event that you know of? Those who come to the event could win $50,000, a trip for two to the 2013 official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, oh. which, which would be cool if you like to... Gamble again, I guess, if you're going to this event. <laughs> gamble all your uh, winnings away. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. If so, I lived in Texas, I would totally be playing the Star Trek lottery. So they have yeah. the original series, Voyager, Enterprise, 
and Next Generation. Where's Deep Space Nine? Why yeah, is that getting it. shafted? Yeah. <laughs> well, they would have to have the Defiant, probably. But they could, I mean. Oh, they could, yeah. I call shenanigans. <laughs> Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Texas water, well, we don't perhaps, have it here. Perhaps there is, they just didn't fit it on this uh, promo graphic. Yeah, probably. I, I like the little uh, scratch-off uh, Delta shields. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool. cool. Yeah. They should have used gold plus platinum instead of the dollar signs. Well, how would you I don't that? think anyone would have got that. <laughs> no. Yeah. What the heck is that? Oh, come on. You don't know gold plus platinum? <laughs> We've talked about it frequently. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, so what else is going on? Star Trek Online is turning three years old. Yes. Uh, Nobody told me. <laughs> Do either of you play Star Trek Online? Uh, that's a big no. I do not. Neither I don't have enough time to. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to talk out of hand, out of uh, out of turn because we don't know anything about it. Well, we know stuff, but we we've never played it. I, I know. Last year, it became. I think it was last year. It became free to play. Yeah, free to play at the beginning of last year. So yeah. it's already been free to play for a year now. That Which you would think, you know, I I'd be on top of that, but yeah. I don't know, just I don't have time to sink into a a big MMO like this. Yeah. Guys, that's funny. That was the name of my first girlfriend, free to M- play. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say MMO. Yeah. <laughs> MMO. Yeah, she was from MMO. So I, I'm, I'm reading about this right now, and it looks like they're going to have a special uh, episode starring Denise Crosby, a variety of in-game events, and the giving away of prizes. I may have to sign up now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Denise Crosby? Yeah. Starting today, for example, captains can experience Temporal Ambassador, a special anniversary episode that finds Crosby reprising her role as Natasha Yar. Uh, she's dead. No. Yeah, well, temporal. Yeah, temporal. <laughs> Fans, players can also expect to reap rewards for engaging in Star Trek Online's three-year anniversary in-game event hosted by Q. Oh, that seems pretty cool. John Delancey? Yeah. That's cool. Or is it the other Q? The, the brother there, what was his name? Was it Q too? It was Q as well. Yeah. 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 That right. guy's horrible. He's been like in a hundred different things. He's a horrible actor, anyway. Well, in, in Forager, we saw tons of Q. Yeah, we did. Thank you. You said Q, not Qs. Because Qs would be wrong. And th- this is pretty neat, reading more about it. The game has featured Star Trek talents such as Leonard Nimoy, Zachary Quinto, Chase Masterson, and now Denise Crosby. So Leonard Nimoy reprised his role as Spock. Chase Masterson came back as Lita. And Zachary Quinto is actually the emergency medical hologram in the game. Huh, that's weird. Zachary Quinto is? Yeah, he's a a, a new EMH program. That looks a lot like Spock. <laughs> Interestingly enough. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's pretty neat. I, I may have to uh, download it and check it out. I as yeah. well. It's free, so... So Aaron is definitely going to do it because it's as cheap as... <laughs> that, that's why I don't gamble. No. <laughs> what else we got? Esurance mm-hmm. has a promotion where you can enter to win two tickets to the premiere of Into Darkness. $2,500 travel money, an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the movie, a vulcanizer, which puts your face over Spock's, and a few downloads. 
The downloads include a PDF of the poster, icons, and desktop wallpapers. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, re- I remember them doing uh, a similar promotion for the first uh, JJ movie, and they had um, Aaron Esurance in uh, their animated character in a few uh, Star Trek uniforms, yes. and they did wallpapers and stuff. Well, that's neat. I I, I want to five hundred dollars. That's that's the best part of it. But... <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go to the premiere of In the Darkness. Right? I would too. Yeah. yeah. I wonder Arts. if that means out in L.A. Yeah, because I mean, two tickets and twenty five hundred dollars. It's either that or New York. Money. Yeah, it says travel money, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So, are you guys gonna um, vulcanize yourselves? I'm pretty much a Vulcan already. There if you, you seen, if you haven't seen my ears, they're 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 pointed enough as it is. All right. <laughs> so, just take my word for it. Okay. <laughs> look at the uh, haircut, Eric. Look at the haircut. He looks like Zachary Quinto. A little bit. I actually and he looks like a, he's 12 he's, still. He needs a haircut. <laughs> Look at that. So do, so do I. I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Pretty much like... My hair's like... I'm, I don't have enough to cover the bald spot anymore, so... <laughs> Once you get bald spot, look at that thing right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Everyone has really good hair in Star Trek. And even when they're bald, they look good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or or we're a really rocks the ball. Yeah. Shatner. Yeah. Shatner uh, should have learned earlier. <laughs> I'm gonna take off the rug. I'm going to go uh natural. So what yeah. we got us. So have either of you used the Star Trek into Darkness app? I didn't even know there was one. I heard about it, but I have not used it. Okay. I downloaded it onto my iPad. There are like real-world missions that you have to do. Really? Like you would find the uh, official trailer online. Yeah. You would hold your phone or your iPad up to the speaker and you would play it. Yeah. And it would unlock an extended trailer and you would get points. Oh. And yeah, it's it's kind of cool. Your your points go towards ranks. So, like, I'm, a, I think I'm a, a chief petty officer or something. And there's news. You get the latest news from the events and stuff, photos. You can win a chance to go to the premiere. You can also yeah. purchase advanced tickets yeah. to the movie. I personally like the app that came out for the last film, which was just that phaser app. Yeah, I, I actually still have that on my phone. That that was pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, the look of this app is cool, but I don't know. Is it uh, hard to use, or does it take up a lot of uh, resources? Does it seem slow? Uh, it doesn't seem, seem slow, but I'm using it on an iPad. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if on a smaller device how it would work. I believe it's now out on the Android market. Uh, so I don't know how it performs on Android devices. Uh, oh, I know- I'll, I'll probably have to uh, download it for uh, my iPod and see how it works. Yeah. I mean, the overall concept is cool, but it's just a totally a promo app. It's not like, I don't know, I, I personally don't think it's that fun mm-hmm. <laughs> to use. One of the missions is to go to... Uh, Starfleet headquarters in San Francisco, so it uses your GPS coordinates. 
That's crazy. Yeah, and if you do that, you know, you unlock like 20 points or something that goes towards you. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Rank. I'm not going to San Francisco for 20 points. <laughs> right, I, I was like, oh man, I wonder if I can spoof my my GPS to think I'm in San Francisco. But it, I would have to jailbreak it, and I don't feel like doing all that just yeah, for 20 points. It's, it's too much work. <laughs> yeah. You haven't, so you'd have to jailbreak it to do it? Oh, well, if if you weren't going to San Francisco... And wanted to get the points for the mission. Oh, just, just, just get on the plane right now. I'll go right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get right on that. Where's my transporter? <laughs> Damn it! I want a transporter. The only way to win is to go to San Francisco. Screw this. No. It didn't work out for the 49ers. Oh. Oh, oh, it's still <laughs> too early for that one. <laughs> too soon, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> uh, I'll take the next one. Okay. Um, so, Lala Land Records is releasing another Star Trek collection. A few episodes ago, we talked about the original series yep. collection. This time, they are doing Star Trek Deep Space Nine collection. It's a limited edition four-CD soundtrack that showcases musical highlights from episode scores as heard in all seven seasons. The special collection of music features more than five hours of score selected from some of the most acclaimed episodes of uh, the enormously successful Next Generation spinoff. It's limited to only 3,000 units, and it will be released next week on February 12th hmm. at lalalandrecords.com. Uh, the retail price is forty nine ninety eight. Ninety eight. So, yeah, not ninety nine. Forty nine ninety eight. Forty nine ninety eight. And from what I read about it, the fourth disc is actually a collection of music that they planned for the episodes but never released. So hmm. it's all new Deep Space Nine music, including a piano version of the uh, opening theme. So it sounds really neat. I I would I would like to pick it up, but don't know if I'm going to yeah. be able to. But I, right. it it sounds like a great collection and definitely a lot cheaper than their original series set, which literally had all the music from all the episodes. Mm. Th this is just a, a selection of some of the best episodes. Now, wasn't it okay. Space Nine's theme song that sounded like Kenny G, or was that Voyager? Um, I think you know they all... About? Yeah, I think they both kind of did. They were both... Kenny G did do the uh, thing on one of the anniversary shows. Oh, the 30th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Wasn't that on UPN? Yeah, yes. it was. Yeah, <laughs> you, United yeah. Paramount Networks? Yeah. Yeah, I'm up in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that the one where, like, the the uh, cast of Frasier uh, oh, reenacted, yeah. like, Voyager? Yeah, I totally yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember Kenny G, though, but... <laughs> I, I can remember him doing it. I'm pretty sure it was that, that was the same one. I love but Kenny G's music. It really wasn't a highlight if I, <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> yeah. So uh. now it's time for my favorite... <laughs> segment. <laughs> Would you buy it? So, I'd buy uh, that for a dollar. 
<laughs> Diamond Select Toys, Star Trek, Klingon Bird of Prey. Ship. Ship? <laughs> what is it with you? You always Ship. get that one word at the end that you like forget to do, and then you like you jump it in there. Ship? Ship? No, I was trying to figure out how to put I'm it saying? in. But yeah, so I just... This is Klingon Bird of Prey. Yeah. Ship. Uh, yep. <laughs> so that it sells for 70 bucks. Uh, this is their first non-Enterprise ship in their line of electronic Star Trek ships. The Bird of Prey measures 12 inches long and 9 inches wide. 19. Yeah, you're right. 19 inches wide and comes with a display stand and features movie-accurate lights and sound. Movie-accurate. So would you buy it? It's a little too rich for my blood, which is essentially kind of like, it looks like a re-release of, or it looks like, because Playmates used to do the electronic ships. Yeah. And I I can't tell from the small picture you have here, so I don't know how detailed it is, but Mm -hmm. for $70, uh, seems like a little bit too much. Yeah. I'll take my old toy take a, a drill to it, put some Christmas lights in, it'll look fabulous. <laughs> and Actually, you know what it looks dollars. like to me? It looks yeah. like just a bigger version of the Hallmark one that you put on your tree. Uh, well, essentially, I guess it is. I mean, it's still Bird of Prey. It's yeah. going to look like a Bird of Prey no matter what scale. Yeah. Now, I have... I, I'm very tempted to buy this because the Bird <laughs> of Prey... to buy every one of these. <laughs> well, the Bird of Prey is my favorite ship. I have oh. two Hallmark ornaments of the Bird of Prey. I have two little, not that little, but two like little toy model birds of oh, prey. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I actually have one. Um, I have the Hot Wheels uh, Bird of Prey. Okay, I have that one, and I have another more expensive one that doesn't, the wings don't move up and down, but it has like the base. It's about the same size as that Hot Wheels one. Oh, cool. Uh, and I also have a, a kind of like a snow globe that has lights and uh, sounds from the show that has the Clean on Bird of Prey inside of it. Nice. You remember well, the micro- this, this is right up your alley. It is. Remember the Micro yeah. Machines ones? Those were cool. Yeah, I have all those somewhere. They're everywhere, but I have them still. Oh, that would be cool. I, I don't have any of those. So you could literally have your bird of prey at any scale, from micro to yeah, yeah. pretty big. <laughs> right. Waiting for the full size version. <laughs> the full size bird of prey. I'd buy that. I yeah, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I don't know where I put it. Maybe in a park in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> so two no's and a maybe for this for the bird of prey. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Next we have a UTP. Sorry, a UFP. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I saw the TNT shirt and I jumped to it. Uh-huh. So it's, it's the United Federation of Planets t-shirt. It's newly available from ThinkGeek. That and it, re- it ranges in price from nineteen ninety nine to twenty one ninety nine. Now, Aaron, you know me with my t-shirt collection. I have mm-hmm. a thousand of them. I have everything. I have the um, the one from Independence Day with the, the laser coming down, destroying the White House. Oh, wow. For years, I have the. I actually have a. a I did have, and I it got destroyed. But I had a Star Trek six. Oh, I remember that. Remember, remember that one? Yeah. With that the uh, cool. the poster version. Yeah. Yeah, it had um, Chang 
Yeah, Kirk, yeah. Spock, McCoy, and the ships. Yeah. What else? But I'm big in the T-shirts, so this would be yeah. up my alley. I'd have yeah. to buy this too, just because I have a ton of nerd shirts. I wear yeah. nerdy T-shirts all the time, so this this would be right up my alley. Yeah, I, I tend to think I would buy this. I also have a UFP baseball cap. So yeah, so do I. Yeah. So do I. Did Did you get it with um? Your subscription to Star Trek magazine? I did indeed. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Would you two like to uh, have some time together? No, uh, I love that magazine. I'm, I'm Me sad. too. I I'm never sad. had that. I used to get the magazines that were like the, the hobby dealers that had like the shirts and the um, the insignias and all that. Mm-hmm. I used to get those all the time. Yeah, I, I love Star Trek magazine. Um, it was... it had so much technical information and mm-hmm. and I don't know it had great diagrams and oh yeah the diagrams were awesome yeah I'm surprised <laughs> there's no there's no tribbles there's no tribbles this week but we mentioned that there were no tribbles so it made its, made its way into the podcast anyway well, Eric, Eric you, you can't see the tribbles he's probably got them all <laughs> over the floor there but I don't know they're, they're multiplying rapidly. Yeah. You'll see them eventually. Soon they'll overtake them. They'll be covered them. over, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so three buys for the United Federation of Planet T-shirt. Yep. All That's right. a win. Win. All right. There's somebody that needs to be in the next Star Trek movie. No. Charlie Sheen? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. I refuse. He could, he could do a, uh, a cameo like uh, Christian uh, Slater did. That was cool. Yeah. Excuse Respect. me, Captain. Yeah, he's like, yeah, hello. I'm this incredibly good-looking ensign. Ensign. Yeah, <laughs> that's like in his 40s that never get out of ensignhood, yeah. Yeah, gr- great job, ensign, for delivering that pad. You have, so you now, have trouble hearing, mister? What? <laughs> so now, the engineers. Yes, the main Star topic. Trip. Here comes um, to my favorite part of the show. The, the topic. topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you have, I'd buy that, and Aaron's got... You know what burns? No, what? Uh, whatever. <laughs> what puts his quan stain in the flux? flux? Which yes. I keep on thinking of flux every time I hear that. But <laughs> whoa, <laughs> different show. <laughs> All right, my favorite part of the show: the topic. Okay, so the probably the m- most famous engineer of them all, Scott, Scotty, Montgomery uh, Scott, known as the Miracle Worker. He was known for giving slightly exaggerated estimates of repairs and making the repairs under the time he quoted to make him sound like a miracle worker. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like he had some good time management. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was, I think, a, not just a miracle worker in terms of how quickly he got stuff done, mm-hmm. but he was pretty inventive on his own. He, right really came up with some innovative solutions. The MacGyver of Star Trek. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the those Constitution-class ships looked like they were falling apart at the seams. It would seem like it every that time. The cardboard. <laughs> yeah, the cardboard. Yeah. yeah, it always seemed like in the original series, Scotty was um, like in one of those like kind of half Jeffries tube things. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he always like climbed up the ladder and was... Playing around with some vacuum tubes. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, the 23rd century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. 
Little so do they know they got rid of vacuum tubes in the 1970s. <laughs> well, they made a comeback. Obviously. Yeah. But it, it was funny that um, that his uh, padded estimates, we, we actually found out about that in a TNG episode, uh, yeah. Relics. Right. Which is one of my favorite episodes. I, I really like that they brought him back for the next generation. Yeah, I have to agree. That's... that. Is one of my favorites. However, because of all the information he says in that, because it was before Star Trek Six, it kind of doesn't make any sense. Star Trek Seven. Well, Six and Seven. Well, it's one of those continuity things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet well, James Kirk pulled the Enterprise out of mothballs. Um, not so much. Well, I mean, the guy was in a repeating uh, transporter loop. Yeah. Yeah, let's not make any exceptions there. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there was some degradation. Residual, yeah. Kept on calling Picard a hurrah. Well. <laughs> but but I, what I really liked about that episode was how um, he interacted with uh, Jordy, a fellow engineer, and I liked how, how they worked together. Right. They let blind people work in engineering? <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite Scotty-focused episodes or moments? My favorite Scotty uh, moment is when he walks into the uh, the beam in the Jeffries tubes when he says, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Fud. <laughs> and by the way, the Jeffries tubes that were bigger than the actual ship's corridors. Yeah. That, that was another Shatner issue. Oh, Star Trek Five. Yes. We should do a whole show on Star <laughs> on the Trek Goofs. Five. Oh, oh. Goofs. Uh, we could do Goofs, but I mean, just well, the fact that X seventy uh, seventy eight keeps on showing up four times in that movie when they fly up. Yeah. And the fact that there was a hundred and twelve decks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Star Trek Five. But yeah. yes, that's one of my favorite moments is when he walks into the that and when he gives the uh, parts of the. Excelsior to Doctor uh, McCoy from mm-hmm. one surgeon to another, and and he always had like great lines. He's like, "I cannot change the laws of physics." Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to have thirty minutes. <laughs> Don't you guys know a jailbreak when you hear one? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite moments is from Star Trek Four, when he picks up the mouse and tries oh, to talk yeah. to the computer. <laughs> Hello, computer. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, a tactile interface. How quaint. Yeah. He's like, doo, doo, doo. But he could work that thing like he like second nature. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I highly doubt, but... Yeah, um, Scotty was always my favorite engineer. Hmm. Yeah, Scotty was cool. So, yeah, Eric, do you have a favorite moment of Mr. Scott? Uh, well, I, I, like I said, I, I really liked uh, Relics. He was he was pretty good in in the voyage home. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments uh, for Scotty was in the trouble with Tribbles, mm-hmm. uh, when the the Klingon is insulting the Enterprise, and or insulting Kirk first, and then the oh, Enterprise, okay. and that's when Scotty says, "Hey, you've taken it too far." Yeah, right. <laughs> it was yeah. funny because when when Kirk was like questioning him, and he founds out that you know he's defending the ship. Instead right. of, instead Him. of the captain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, I always thought that was really funny, and ju- just the the look that Kurt gave him, like seriously, <laughs> yeah, that was a good, 
good episode. And you, you got Tribbles in there, so thanks. And he was enjoying <laughs> a, a glass of scotch. He he loved scotch. He loved he loved the sauce. <laughs> and that was actually funny in uh, in uh, relics where he could tell right away that it was sent to hall. Yeah. <laughs> what what in the blazes is this? <laughs> Which is something not a lot of people can do apparently. Uh, yeah, I guess they they really can't tell the difference. Scotty was pretty awesome. Yeah, actually in the. Uh, relics where Data grabs that green alcohol and he asks Data what it is and he goes, it's green. That comes from an original series episode where Scotty's drinking with oh, uh, and he goes, it's green. And, you know, they both drink it. Yeah. I can't remember what episode it was, but. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. That's that's a good uh, callback. Yeah. Did you know that the character of Scotty mostly originated from James Duhon himself? I did not. So when he was asked to read the script, the role that he proposed for himself uh, was an unnamed chief en- engineer. So the one of the producer or the one of the directors asked him to do some accents. So Duhon did a lot of ones, including Irish, Scottish, English, Russian. And Ryan Barry asked him which one he would choose, and uh, he said Scottish because of the Scotman's great engineering skills. Okay. So, and Duhon actually named him Scotty. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And plus, Scotty, or James Duhon, he was a very excellent voice actor because he did a lot of the extra voices for aliens in the animated series. Right. Really? Yeah. Wow. He did many roles besides Scotty. See, I didn't watch much of the animated series. I heard a rumor, actually, that they were bringing that to Blu-ray. The animated series? Yeah. Yeah, I I heard that rumor, too, but I I don't know how much better it can look because the DVD set, it actually looks really good. They cleaned cleaned it up a lot. It looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have that, like, orange tone to it anymore. No, they they did color correct it. <laughs> that was done intentionally, wasn't it? I think well, we talked about it. Like the one of the guys was colorblind. Yeah, the yeah. director was colorblind, so a lot of the what the director thought was gray was actually pink. Yeah, that's why yeah, we got pink like goes a, real well with Star Trek. Yeah, that's yeah. why we got like a flesh-colored Andorian in yes. one episode. <laughs> yeah, and I, they didn't correct that. That's still the same. Oh, okay. Well, you could say he's one of the pale ones from underneath. Well, actually, I don't know if they if they did fix that, but I, I do remember when I was I have the DVD set. Yeah, me and, too. And watching it, the at least the uh, the Klingons wore pink, and the Tribbles were all pink. <laughs> so uh, I have the Betamax version. Do you now? Oh, that's it's, cool. <laughs> Not really. I got it on Laserdisc. <laughs> at least Laserdisc was the '90s. They had it in the 80s, I think. Laser discs, maybe. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, are we good with Mr. Scott? Yes. I. Eric, are you good? I. I. <laughs> so, on to the next generation. Now, during the first season, there were at least four chief engineers aboard the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't pick somebody. 
Well, Jordy was sitting at the helm. Jordy was oh, at the helm. Exactly. That, that actually that really confused me about the first season of Next Generation because I always wondered, like, well, why don't they just have one guy? Right. Because in the original series, Scotty was a main character, so mm-hmm. it was odd that in the first season of Next Generation there wasn't really a main character for the chief engineer. They probably didn't find a, a person to play him good enough for the, you know, for a major role. Yeah. That they weren't happy with it, so they probably tried out different people. So, uh, refresh my memory. Who were these guys? <laughs> okay, so MacDougall, that was the female. And she was the chief engineer during the Polywater virus incident. Polywater did it So, remember when... Wesley was under the influence of this, and he erected the tractor beam to act as a force field that he made. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and then one of the other engineers was also infected, and he pulled out all the isolinear chips. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to get Wesley to drop the tractor beam field, force field emitter that he erected, but he wouldn't, and then... Data. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, then Data, even though he was infected, <coughs> he was able to put the isolinear chips back in so that they would avoid the stellar core fragment that the Enterprise was falling into. This is the one where you had sex with Tasha, right? Um, they alluded to that, and I don't know if it actually happened or not. It happened. And uh, seemed that <laughs> she was the rank of uh, Lieutenant Commander. So that she was only in uh, one episode. Yeah, from what I saw, she was only in one. Um, it seemed like all these four people were only in one. Well, actually, I lie. Argyle, the next one. I remember Argyle. He he had the 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 beard. Beard, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He he oversaw over <laughs> over oversaw oversaw the uh, uh, Kozinski's warp drive experience with the traveler. There. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also supervised the reassembly of lore in uh, the episode Data Lore. Um, Data he, lore. he had a kind of a slight Scottish accent, too. Well, have you noticed something? MacDougall, no. Argyle, Logan, and Lynch. Three Scots and an Irish. Oh, there you go. So all paying tribute to Scotty. Yeah. And Lynch could even be Macklin, which that could be Scottish, too. So that's all Scottish. That uh, makes sense. Did you ever notice that, Aaron? I did not. That's why you got me here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's the only reason. No. Yeah, it isn't the looks, I can tell you that much. Especially so, for radio. Yeah. Logan, the next chief engineer, was seen during the episode The Arsenal of Freedom. Um, and he was at odds with Geordi LaForge because Captain Picard had placed Geordi in command of the Enterprise. And Logan, the ranking officer, wanted to take command of the ship. Ah. Mr. Lafarge. And Geordi ordered him back to engineering. I, I guess I, later he would take his position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's been a while since I've seen this episode, so I really don't remember Logan. So I'll have either. to go back and watch that. Yeah. Well, um, was he just in in that one episode? Yeah, he was just in that one episode. And I guess Commander Riker in one of the episodes mentioned one of the chief engineers. So it wasn't like... I originally, when I originally watched Star Trek The Next Generation, thought that 
they just had a lot of like overturn on these chief engineers. Like they, <laughs> they had shift chief engineers. Yeah, so that that might be what it is. But he says one of our chief engineers. Yeah. So they, at least at least during the first season. There were multiples. There were multiples, and it, then it is a pretty big ship. Granted. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But and then, then we, Forge was able to do it all by himself. Yeah. The next one before Lynch <laughs> supervised the realignment of the ship's dilithium crystals in the episode "The uh, Skin of Evil," where Tasha uh, meets her demise. Oh yeah. By the black tar monster. Yeah, pretty essentially. Yeah. And then we have Jordy LaForge. He was the con <laughs> officer during the first season. Uh, then took. Yep. <laughs> then he took over as chief engineer during the second season, which gave new life to the character. He was blind at birth, uh, so he was fitted with a visor, which he could use to see, essentially. Then he was later fitted with uh, ocular implants. It was cool when they changed him to the ocular implants. I, I thought it was cool, but... I don't know, I watched Nemesis or First Contact, and I kind of missed the visor. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it does look weird without the visor. From a security standpoint, it makes total sense to yeah, replace what, it. Twice? Yeah, twice, twice like he broken. was... Yeah. Once by, the, once by the Romulans, and then again... By the by Klingons. The Klingons, yeah. Which caused the entire destruction of the Enterprise D. Yeah. So after that, that's why I'm first combat. They're like, <laughs> okay, we've got you these ocular implants, so this never happens again. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what yeah. happened. But um, now both of his parents were Starfleet career officers. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, In fact, they and see his mother, don't they? We see his mother and his father. Oh. His father was played by uh, Ben Vereen. Yes. Now, do we actually see his mother, or was it just that? Well, yes, it we was. Saw his mother. It was his mother, but was it just that, like hallucination type thing? She contacts Picard at one point. Remember? Does, no, I don't. That's why. <laughs> I believe she contacts. I believe she contacts Picard at one point. Uh, but remember that episode? Where um, he's hallucinating. It's not that he's hallucinating, but he's in that like sensor suit. And he's controlling like this pod that's looking. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But but Picard does talk to her. But he yeah, also Picard has. Yeah, Picard does talk to her. Okay. He, so he cool. also has a, a sister. Really. Uh, Ariana LaForge. Ariana was informed that her mother's ship, the USS Hera, had been reported lost, and that was in the episode uh, Interface. And then um, I think uh, Jordy mentions that she had a pet cat when he was taking care of Spot because she was able to train the cat to jump into people's arms on command. Oh, she, okay. She walked around for two months with a piece of tuna. tuna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. So, yeah, he has a pretty good family, and I thought he was a really great engineer. But it was just weird that he went from Khan, which seems like nothing to do with engineering, to... And Boom, a red chief shirt. engineer. Yeah. He could have been killed on some away mission. Well, thankfully he didn't. No. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> right. He he's probably I don't know if he's my favorite engineer, but I'm I'm probably biased because I grew up with the next generation. Mm hmm I, I really liked his friendship with Data. Oh yeah. But yeah, uh Data and him had a huge that was a huge part of the whole series, including when he got into 
Generations and then First Contact, the whole... And and then Nemesis yeah. was great because... End. Yeah, when when um spoiler alert if you haven't seen Nemesis for some reason. If you haven't, uh, where have you been for the last ten years? It's streaming on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Yeah, ten years old. And what was so great when Data was like running out into space, like right before, all they had to do, like for their friendship, it was just like a nod, like, yeah. like there you go, buddy. And then it was just like. There was just nothing to be said there, and it it was such a great end to their friendship that it it really symbolized their whole friendship through yeah. the entire series. So yeah, I mean LaForge was I mean he was a fun guy, but mm-hmm. when when it was time for business, like he was completely serious, and I, I I think that's what made him a good engineer. Yeah, had a terrible love life. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess that that's why he was such a good engineer. Women didn't become an issue. <laughs> All right. And w- w- another thing I liked is anytime we see a future glimpse, like in Voyager, we got to see LaForge, and he was captain of a yeah. galaxy class starship. Yeah. So I, I I think he definitely loves the uh, the galaxy class. I would too. That's uh, that's probably my favorite Federation or Starfleet design. But he's biased because he grew up with the next generation. Thank you, Marty. <laughs> that should be your disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. And Eric should be, I'm biased towards Voyager. Not completely all the time. Was totally anyway. Not all the time, but... Not all the time? Voyager was a terrible design. I, 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 I didn't I like the... Disagree. I, you disagree? I, 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 did, I didn't like the Intrepid Class Starship design. But that's a totally different issue. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that in another episode. Did Did you guys uh, have any favorite uh, Jordy moments or episodes? My favorite moment is in First Contact when he's talking to Zephyr and Cochran, and he's you know he's uh, scaring the crap out of him because he's telling him about the future. Mm-hmm. It's a statue, thirty or forty feet. And right it's here. like it's right here. Yeah. And I went to Zephram Cochran High School. Yeah. <laughs> but the funniest yeah. thing was when he says, "A leak." I'm not detecting any leak. It was almost like it was da- that should have been for Data, not for him. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was still pretty funny. <laughs> no, it was funny. I'm thinking uh... he's biased because he grew up with him. <laughs> well, one of the episode, one of the episodes, I think that was pretty cool was that episode when he ends up on a planet with Romulan and they end up working together. I don't remember that. Um, like, he, I think that the, was the Saturday I was out. <laughs> the, I think the Romulan, <laughs> the Romulan broke his leg and Jordy's visor couldn't really see, but they took the visor and connected it to a tricorder and were able to get it to work better and they, like, when it's an episode, it's an actual episode. I, <laughs> I believe you. Remember that. You remember the one with oh, the, uni- you remember the, one with the unicorns? No, just it was, it was it was called the enemy. Yes, it was from the, the third season. Yeah, trapped on a. I have it right here, on uh, Wikipedia. Not Wikipedia. It is memory Wikipedia. alpha. I, I didn't go to memory alpha. I'm no, on Wikipedia. what are you doing? <laughs> it's memory alpha. Come on. Uh, <laughs> you're right. It was uh, season three, episode seven. It aired in 1989. Aren't uh, you the one that said it? So you're right. <laughs> what? Yep. You're the one I'm, that brought it up, not I'm, him. So I'm right. Always yeah, right. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, so I was six when this aired. Just a little tight, huh? Yeah. But anywho, so that's one of my favorite uh, Jordy moments. Really? Yeah. How about For you, now. Eric? <laughs> I, I kind of like the episode called Identity Crisis where he was kind of turning into an alien, like that blue oh. glowing alien. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty cool oh, episode. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like um, every... And there were other ones that were like that, that they found, remember? That were right. on his ship, yeah. his previous ship, or one of his ships. Yeah, and um, I actually have a action figure of of that. You okay. do? They made one of that? Yeah, yeah they, they made one of him as, like, the, the blue alien from that episode. Wow. I remember on Halloween, they used to play that episode all the time in syndication. Really? Yeah, at least in Boston, on the channel it was syndicated on. I don't on, remember uh, that. Yeah. Well, you probably were cool and went out trick-or-treating. I, I, I was trick-or-treating. <laughs> okay. I thought the effects in that that episode were really cool, though. Yeah, I, I especially like the uh, the makeup effects, like the, the eyes and the yeah, and the the glowing blue. Like you, yeah. you couldn't even tell that it was Jordy. It was pretty crazy. I liked Jordy. how the the use of the holodeck in that episode with Jordy trying to figure out what was going on, and they had the character that had the the camera that was mounted on their head, which you never seen in any Next Generation Away mission. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it was on this Away mission with him on another ship. I wonder if what we saw was really through the eyes of a crew member that we didn't see. Um, Probably. Uh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Aaron's getting deep in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But how he was able to extrapolate that there was like a shadow of a person, yeah. but there was no one there, and then he figured out that it was like some kind of weird, like creature that they couldn't see because they yeah. were transparent. They couldn't see them unless you had a special light, I believe. And but they left shadows. Yeah, that's a good episode. The other one I like is all good things. How he's like almost like the helper to Picard. You know, he'd been around Picard for so long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, the whole, other than Picard, he's in the whole story from the part he goes back all the way up to when they leave to go find the rift. So I liked him in that. And I liked that they had him age and all that. And he had the ocular implants yeah, and that's right. things. Yeah. Oh, so great uh, continuity to First Contact. Yeah. Or and date, and date First Contact. <laughs> continuity to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the the color of the contacts that they put in, uh, they weren't blue, but when they put them in, it on, onto his eye, they appeared to be blue. Yeah. Whenever I hear an interview about the next generation, and how whenever they interview these guys, they always say that the the only two big stars it was like Levar Byrne was already a star at that point when Next Generation premiered, because he had already done Roots, yeah. and he already started reading Rainbow. Name's so, yeah. <laughs> so he was already the most recognizable face of the cast when they started. I was too young to realize that at the time. Do you realize the guy oh, yeah. is 55 years old? Is he? Well, he'll he looks old. He'll be 56 on my mother's birthday in uh, 19, uh, February 16th. He's, fact, look, he's he's ten years younger than my mother. He looks old now. I don't think he does. Well, I don't know. I, I, I for for fifty five, he looks pretty good. 
Oh no, he looks good. I just he looks like an older guy now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is he still doing Reading Rainbow? Um, they actually, I think they they relaunched uh, Reading Rainbow. It's um, it's now an app for all different kinds of devices. So he's. I, I follow him on Twitter, so mm-hmm. he's definitely bringing uh, Reading Rainbow back. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good show. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, we can move on to Deep Space Nine. Sure. Uh, so, Miles O'Brien, the former transporter chief on the Enterprise D, transferred to DS9 as the chief of operations. I felt really bad for O'Brien. He was given, like, the worst rundown, always-breaking station. And mm-hmm. on top of that, he had to convert it to use Starfleet technology. I really felt bad for the guy. It seemed like he got the short end of the engineering stick. <laughs> right. Or a, a really huge challenge. Yeah, I wonder if that makes him really the the best engineer out of all of the engineers that we've seen. It could could be. I mean, he was certainly really talented. I mean, it seemed like he could piece together that station with some duct tape and Q-tips. I mean, right. <laughs> uh, he, he was. it seemed like he was always fixing something on that station. Right, and he seemed to be able to jury-rig things fairly well in a way that would actually work. Yeah. And now we've got another case of well, uh, Scotty was uh, Scottish, and O'Brien is Irish. Right. So we've got another... It's just uh, saying that the Celtic people are really good with starships. They're really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he also liked to drink. That's true. Uh, we I think we've talked about that in a couple episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought it was great that they took his character that was established in The Next Generation, and I'm really glad that they brought him as a full-time character into Deep Space Nine. And they continued the story that they set up in Next Generation with his family. Right. So it was definitely when when Deep Space Nine premiered, that was one of the highlights for me. I'm like, hey, it's it's O'Brien. I already know this guy. (laughs) Yeah. It was a easier transition to see an ex- established character kind of like take over the reins of the ship yeah. or the station. And we already knew that he was really good with Star Trek technology since he worked the transporters for so many years on Enterprise D. Right, and you would uh, imagine that he would be the one to repair something that broke in engineering. Exactly. Uh, sorry, um, not engineering in the transporter room. Yeah. He was also um, no stranger to war since he participated in the Federation Cardassian War mm-hmm. and also the Dominion War. So it, it was kind of nice to, to see him especially carry over grudges from the Federation Cardassian War because he really didn't like to be on a Cardassian station. He already kind of hated Cardassians at that point. Mm-hmm. But it was also nice to see him use his war experience uh, in the Dominion War, which was, war was something that not a lot of Starfleet officers really participated in, except the most veteran of of officers. Right. I, yeah, I, I thought it was cool that he was also, he was a family man. You didn't really see that all too much in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with like a wife and kids and 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 what that means when you're a Starfleet officer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the risks involved. Like he could have died at any point in the in the series. And there were many times when his family got caught up in things that happened with Starfleet. Um, uh, that one time when Keiko got possessed by an alien, right. which was such a creepy episode. Yeah. So, yeah, the, which was kind of interesting because that was a flip on when O'Brien got possessed in The Next Generation. Right. I didn't even put those two together until you just said it. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm like, wait a minute, he was also possessed. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of interesting. But I, I liked his overall story, his his character, his family. I I, I thought he was a nice, well-established character. Uh, do we have any favorite O'Brien moments from either the Next Generation or Deep Space Nine? One of my favorite O'Brien episodes was tribunal when o'brien was arrested by the cardassian forces and he was put on trial for allegedly supplying weapons to the maquis and it was great because not only because we got to see the judicial side of cardassians where they're always presumed guilty yeah they're pretty much convicted of everything yeah and I just thought that was a great episode. Oh, it's actually funny. I, I remember reading about this, about Deep Space Nine. There's what the producers had. There's always an episode, one episode a season, where it's like the O'Brien is put in hell episode. <laughs> and Tribunal was one of those episodes where he's just put through hell. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you go back through DSA Sign, there's, there's always an episode in a season where it's like the worst day of the year for O'Brien, it seems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know that, but I can totally imagine that happening because it always seemed to happen. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it always seemed to happen to him. So, <laughs> yeah. Marty, do you have a, a favorite O'Brien moment? No, I can't really think of one right now, but I did enjoy yeah. him in everything that he was in. Yeah. I liked the fact, again, the, con- the continuity of having him in Deep Space Nine and Next Generation, mm-hmm. which was a first. Uh, it kind of made things go a little bit easier when you trans, you know, when you started watching the other show. Although he wasn't really in a lot of The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. He was in some, but not right. a hell of a lot. But, um... I just liked his his rapport with Dr. Bashir. Right. Yeah. yeah, me too. I'm actually reading this on um on Memory Alpha. The Deep Space Nine writing staff had a running joke with a semi annual O'Brien Must Suffer episode. <laughs> Among these were the episodes Whispers, Tribunal, Visionary, Hard Time, Honor Among Thieves, and Prodigal Daughter. According to uh-huh. I- Ira Bear, every year in one or two or shows, we try to make his life miserable because you empath- empathize with him. If O'Brien went through something torturous or horrible, the audience was going to feel that in a way they wouldn't feel it with any other of the characters because all the other characters were sort of, I wouldn't say larger than life, but nobler than life. And O'Brien was just a guy trying to live his life. So if you tortured him, that was a story. So that was from uh, the special features on the season five uh, Mm -hmm. DVD of deep space nine. Okay. That's interesting because O'Brien, he was just a guy, like he was a hardworking dude mm-hmm. <laughs> right. like he punched in he did his work and he went home to his family and 
there's nothing more like every guy than that. Definitely. He was definitely a down-to-earth guy that you could, yeah. like, I could see myself having a drink with him and talking about just what happened in my day or whatever. Totally. Uh, O'Brien is one of four characters to appear in two series finales. O'Brien is also the only character to appear in two series premieres and two series finales. Oh, wow. And O'Brien also has worn the most versions of a Starfleet uniform without having appearing in a film, having worn seven versions of a uniform. The original series Red Ops, Mm -hmm. the TNG Red Command uniform... The TNG Yellow Ops Uniform, version 1 and 2. The TNG and Deep Space Nine Yellow Ops Dress Uniform. And also the DS9 Yellow Ops Uniform, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I guess I knew that, but I didn't really <laughs> realize think it. about it. Yeah, Yeah, it was just a, another tidbit from Memory Alpha. I liked the episode Data's Day when he gets married. Uh, yeah. Because that was one of the few times we actually saw a wedding ceremony in Star Trek. Right. Mm -hmm. I like that it was uh, Japanese, too. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Any other last comments on O'Brien before we switch over? Mm, No. No? Marty? Just that as an actor, him himself, that guy, call Mm -hmm. me, he has actually been really good in everything that I've seen him in, so... Yeah, he's he's a very versatile actor. I mean, I I've seen him in um there's a show on AMC uh, uh I don't know. I I, don't know. <laughs> I I blanked, but but no, he's a, he's a really good character actor. Everything I've seen him in, I'm always like, "Hey, it's O'Brien." <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh so Voyager went out and it had it must have had a, an engineer when the ship got to the Delta Quadrant. Yep. Mm-hmm. The engineer, along with several other crew members, died. Including um, the first officer, the chief medical officer, and a number of other crewmen. Yeah, they I, weren't prepared. I was looking for the name of the officer, and I, I couldn't find it anywhere. No, so, he, he was I didn't never think known. it was named. Yeah. No. So, you know, rest in peace, unnamed <laughs> chief, chief engineer. Chief engineer <laughs> So, next we have Falana Torres, who was originally part of the Marquis and became chief engineer at the urging of uh, Chakotay. She was half human, half Klingon, uh, and she married Tom Paris and had uh, one child. I, I like Torres. She was our first full time female engineer on, um, on a Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. She had. Which must have been tough of to take on that role knowing that you were the first. Yeah, but I, I really liked her character. She definitely had an um, attitude problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. She she had a big temper, which was great because that played out in a lot of the earlier episodes in the first few seasons. And it kind of reignited uh, when Seven of Nine came on board because they really butted heads a lot. That was something that over time grew to be... A friendship, but yeah, she had a lot of challenges in the Delta Quadrant, especially being out there all alone with no starbase support, right. and then also on top of having to take care of Voyager, possibly figuring out a faster way to get home. Right, yeah. and dealing with the the ship that that had those bio neural gel packs, <laughs> which was great because like yeah, they got a cold or yeah. 
like you know when they got mold or whatever and it was causing problems yeah they didn't think of that huh well i think it was great because it gave her a chance to work with the doctor and you never really saw well you kind of did like with kind of like jordy and crusher how they sometimes had to come together and work on data Mm-hmm. It, it was funny because sometimes Bolana and the doctor had to come together, whether it was his mobile emitter or the bioneural gel packs. Right. Um, it seemed like they they worked together a lot too. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite Taurus episodes was mm-hmm. called Day of Honor, and that was when the warp core of Voyager had to be ejected because of an alien attack. Okay. And she had to go out um, in a shuttle with Tom Paris to retrieve it, and it's their shuttle got damaged, and they had to exit the ship with their spacesuits, and that kind of started their whole romantic... There were some hints before... Mm-hmm. But them in that situation that started their relationship. So it's it's one of my favorite Taurus episodes, just mm-hmm. because it's it's about the Day of Honor, the the Klingon uh, ceremony, and also because uh, her and Paris got together. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of my favorite Taurus episodes. Yeah. Um, Marty, do you have any favorite Taurus episodes? I don't even think he has a favorite Voyager episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my favorite Taurus episode was when she was... Do you remember when... When there was two of them? Yeah. When they removed her Klingon... What was it, the Klingon side from the... The human side? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was interesting. Now, did you like it because there were two versions of her? (laughs) Or... (laughs) <laughs> and plus, you could see what what's her name look like, Roxanne. What is it, Roxanne Dawson? Oh, Roxanne Dawson. Yeah, Dawson. Yeah, sorry. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. Plus, she directed a ton of Star Trek episodes. Really? Um, she is. She became um, a director through the course of Voyager, which is great because Star Trek has always given actors the ability, if they want to learn. To become a director. That's how um, Jonathan Frakes got started. And so did Roxanne Dawson. She not only went on to direct Voyager episodes, but she also directed a number of Enterprise episodes. And uh, she's directed uh, many other TV series throughout the years. That's cool. So that th- that's another reason why I, I not, not only like the character, but I also like the actor behind the character. Because it seemed like she really put a lot of herself into that role. What was yours? Uh, mine? Yeah. I <laughs> don't, don't have one. Because <laughs> you didn't like Elijah. Uh, I, I really can't uh, think of one that really jumps out at me. I mean, I like the character. Don't get me wrong. She was one of my favorite characters in the show. I know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another good one, uh, which I liked, was the episode Extreme Risk. And that's when, after they got in contact with the Alpha Quadrant, when, and it was a good tie-in to Deep Space Nine, when Bolana found out that all of the Maquis were wiped out, Mm -hmm. and she went on this self-destructive path um, that Chakotay had to snap her out of. Mm -hmm. And that's that's another one of my uh, favorite Bolana episodes. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, that was the one where she was doing the... um... The orbital, orbital skydive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that one. That was a good one. 
I, I can remember the Caretaker episode, because I think that was the last Voyager episode that I watched. <laughs> Which the, the first one? The first one. <laughs> the last one that I watched recently. It oh. was. It wasn't like that I watched the. Totally. <laughs> I watched the first one. I was like, I'm done with this. Peace out. <laughs> uh, no, because that was when we did the the first uh, episode of the podcast about the pilots of yeah. Star mm-hmm. Trek. Uh, that was the last time I watched Voyager. I think. And, uh, uh, there's a, there's a couple other good ones, um, like. Uh, Warhead, when there was, she programmed this Cardassian missile mm-hmm. um, as a Maquis, and that missile got also swept into the Delta Quadrant, and it oh. thought that an alien planet was a Cardassian planet, okay. and that's when she had to go back on the ship to repair it, mm-hmm. and she was fighting like an AI version of herself, because she reprogrammed the missile, so it had her voice, all her programming, so she had to come back to it and kind of fight her own programming and her own methods. So that's another good episode. She she had a lot of good episodes. Was there an episode where she worked closely with a like it was an android kind of like a robot? Yes, that was um that was a pretty creepy episode. She had to it was a hologram. It was like a maintenance hologram. Oh, okay. And the that was a good episode with her and the doctor as well because she brought the doctor on board. And it was this um, hologram that went completely nuts. Oh, I, I think we're talking about different episodes. Oh, the, yeah, I know what you mean. There was also the, the robot one, yeah. Yeah, like, it wasn't like a Android-like data. It had, like, a like a, sil- like a f- silver flat face. Yes. Like, it wasn't like a face that had any features in it. I, I, I remember that one. I, I that think was, I liked that one. That was the episode uh, Prototype. Okay. Uh, that was a season two episode, and the season two episode was uh, uh, Dreadnought with, with the Cardassian uh, missile. Okay. I, I said Warhead, but that was a different one. Oh. <laughs> she, she, she had a lot of good episodes. Yeah. Apparently, I I, I probably should rewatch it. Yeah. You might want to watch it once. I'll watch it. <laughs> I should watch it once. I guess I'll watch the second episode. See what happens. <laughs> so yeah. Any other comments on Torres? I thought she had a great story from from beginning to end, from mm-hmm. a Maki rebel mm-hmm. uh, to becoming a, a mom and yeah. Yeah. a very successful engineer. So who's next? Joe Carey. Yeah. So after the uh, to the death of the chief engineer on Voyager, uh, when they arrived in the Delta Quadrant, uh, Carey became the acting chief engineer before the position was given to Torres and Catherine Janeway. Really wanted him to be the chief engineer, but Chakotay kind of persuaded her to pick Torres instead. He became the assistant chief engineer, and he died. On an away mission in 2378. Yeah, so with Carrie, he was a very prominent character in the first couple seasons of Voyager. And then um, we never saw him again until the seventh season. <laughs> and mm. late into the seventh season. And first in a, in a flashback where they went back in time. And then in the episode Friendship 1... Uh, which is the episode that he died in. But there was like a six-year gap between his 
first and last appearance. So people were just confused, like, well, where'd he go? You know, why wasn't he here? Because he was right. such a strong character Who's this guy? Yeah. In, in the first couple seasons. And it was great because he really had a problem with Torres, who was just some maquis. Like, he was basically challenging her authority and like, well, why, why does she get to be chief engineer? Right. When <laughs> when I'm the senior Starfleet officer. Torres broke his nose, I believe. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she did. I remember that. Yeah. It, th- that was uh, one of the things that almost got, that got Torres to be fired from being chief engineer. I, I liked his character, even though we didn't get to find out uh, a lot about him. Mm-hmm. He left the Alpha Quadrant. Uh, with a, a wife and two sons that were still in the Alpha Quadrant. He was a pretty hard worker. But again, it was we didn't get to find out a lot about him. But it was still kind of sad when he died because he was such a early on character. It was so good to see him when he came back, and then it's like, oh, now he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because he he was played by actor Josh Clark, Clark played an unnamed tactical ensign mm-hmm. in the next generation. Right. So a lot of people are saying that it's the same character. That they're just attaching it to uh, the same character. So that would that would be cool if it was some continuity. Yeah, and definitely. Act- and actually, the the next engineer that we have on here, the actor was also in the next generation. The lower decks. Lower decks, but he played a different Vulcan officer. He played a different Vulcan, and but they're saying that um, in at least the like pocket book series mm-hmm. that that was his brother. They were twins. Right. So they they connected it that way. Yeah, and this is Warwick, and uh, he served on the team that built the Delta Flyer. Yeah, uh, one one of the probably better episodes uh, with him was called Blood Fever, mm-hmm. uh, which dealt with the Ponfar. Right. And it actually caused Torres to suffer the same neurochemical imbalance that Vulcans went because of a telepathic uh, mating bond. Mm. So, yeah, I thought Vorik was a great character. We only saw him in a few episodes, mm-hmm. but he was pretty well established uh, early on. And, yeah, he, he just kind of rounded out the engineering department. He was one of those familiar faces. I wish they kept him the same officer as the one that we saw on The Next Generation. Yeah, it's funny, because um, in The Next Generation, that Vulcan officer was named Torek. Mm. And here he's Vorik. <laughs> right. So it's I can see them drawing the line that it's a twin brother. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The actor's mom was actually the producer of Voyager, Jerry Taylor. Mm. And she suggested that Torek and Vorik were twin brothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> so nice connection there. All right. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, tying back to Carrie as well, mm-hmm. Vorek was considered to be one of the recurring characters that they were shortlisting to be killed in the episode Friendship 1. Right. So they just chose chose Carrie instead of Vorek. Now, moving on to Enterprise. So we have Trip Tucker. It was the chief engineer. Uh, he served for 10 years as chief engineer on Earth's first Warp 5 capable starship. 
the Enterprise on X01. He died in 2161 before the decommissioning of the Enterprise due to hostiles who boarded the ship. Boo, I hated that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't like that either. That was stupid. But I guess if you're going to kill him off, kill him off in the last episode. Yeah. At least he was, at least he was shame- saving the ship. It, yeah. was, it wasn't like he was he fell off of a walkway on a planet. Oh, you mean like Kirk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing thing to be killed by scaffolding in the 24th century. Uh, Trip Tucker was definitely a cool a cool dude. He was friends with the captain. Pretty good friends, maybe even best friends with him. He's also uh, very good friends with the first officer. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very different. In more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like Tucker. I thought she was going to end up pregnant. Well, tr- Tucker did. Tucker was. I know Tucker did, yeah. got pregnant. <laughs> 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 yeah. Not so great episode, but uh, no, no. <laughs> but w- what's interesting is that he was self-taught. He started learning about boat engines uh, when he was a kid, growing okay. up in in Florida. So he was a self-taught engineer, which I thought was pretty cool. I would imagine that O'Brien would be the same kind of self-taught like as he worked his way up the rank. Yeah, O'Brien seemed to be self-taught as well. It seemed like he was always tinkering. He was a good old southern boy right? who, who liked uh, pecan pie. and <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that, that's what I liked about Tucker. I, I liked that he was just... You know, kind of an everyman like like O'Brien. He's very personable. He had his own sense of humor, uh, which was pretty funny. He always was trying to make light of a situation, even sometimes to uh, Archer's disapproval (laughs) on on a couple of occasions. Uh, I feel the chemistry was similar to Kirk and McCoy. uh, Definitely. with, With these characters. And also, uh, his relationship with T'Pol early on was very much like McCoy and Spock, like these damn Vulcans. And <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, they, I mean, they were definitely trying to capture the spirit of the original series. Mm-hmm. And I think they did in their own way, in, in right. their own Enterprise way, which I still like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tucker was, was, was a really great engineer, and it, it was nice to see that he struggled a bit just because this was all new technology. It was a new warp engine. You know, they, they didn't know all the limits of it. Right. And they only pushed it to warp 5 a couple of times. It, they never really went beyond upper warp 4. Yeah, and even though, even when they did push it, you know, the ship was almost shaking apart. Right, <laughs> yeah. I, I know they used it a few times, uh, like when they were trying to escape the Borg in, in that uh, one episode. It was a nice nod of continuity to First Contact because it was the Borg that were blown up. I really liked the friendship with uh, Malcolm uh, since they, they, they were best friends. They, they didn't get along at first. Uh, they became great friends, um, and actually one of my favorite episodes with them is uh, Shuttle Pod 1. Yeah, that's um, a good bonding episode, because they, they thought they were going to die, pretty yeah. much. Yep. And they pretty much were freezing to death, and I <laughs> think they had 
somehow they had alcohol on, on board, right? And they were drinking alcohol? Yep. Yeah, I, I think they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. It doesn't seem to be like a standard ration aboard a shuttle pod. Uh, no, I think there's a specific <laughs> reason why uh, it was there, though. I just yeah. can't remember it. But yeah, their their chemistry was cool. It was kind of like Miles O'Brien and Bashir. Y- yeah, a little bit, because they pissed each other off <laughs> quite yeah. a bit at first. Oh, um, okay, so the, um, the alcohol that they found in the ship uh, was Kentucky bourbon. And Tucker said, yeah, the captain was planning to give that to somebody. I can't remember who. Guess it's ours now. <laughs> okay. So it looked like it was maybe stored on the shuttle for... Like a diplomatic... Some kind of diplomatic mission or something, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's like the um, Romulan Ale. Exactly. But not against the law. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it wasn't against the law as long as you're that far away from Starfleet. I guess. So did you guys have any good um, trip moments? The one I enjoyed was when he actually, what was it, he was in a coma, and they created him just to use him as a harvest. Oh, yeah, that was a great episode. I'm trying to think of the name. But, yeah, they, there was that clone of him. Yep. Okay, so is it the trip that we have just a the clone, the the one that persisted through the series? No. the It was, like a, it was called, like, a mimetic clone or something, and... It was grown from one of uh, Phlox's, like, weird creatures. Like, it could make a clone out of a sample of DNA. But, no, the the trip that we have is the original trip. Okay. The the other one had to uh, sacrifice himself. Okay. That's cool. That was a great episode. It's It was called... It was the episode uh, Similitude uh, in the third season. So, this is during the uh, Zindi uh, conflict ah. going on. So mm-hmm. that's why they needed to have Trip be well and not in a coma, was because they needed their their chief engineer. Right. Yeah, that was the one that I liked. Yeah, that was a great episode. How about you, Aaron? Any favorite uh, moments? Trying to think, nothing's really jumping out at me. I I remember the one where he was pregnant, but it's not. I I don't remember it because it was a good episode. I just remember because I was thinking, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, Trip was very uh, interested in ancient cinema. Uh, He was the one that came up with movie night. Uh, In the background of his quarters, uh, he has a miniature figure of Frankenstein's monster in his quarters. Okay. Uh, because that is his favorite film, is Frankenstein and its two sequels. Kind of a nice uh, nod to his uh, movie-loving interests. Definitely. So I, I can't find anything that really jumps out at me. Uh, again, I really like this character, and I think maybe that's why I can't... I don't think there was really a moment where I didn't like him, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I can't really... Nothing's really jumping out. Yeah, I liked how the Zindi arc really gave some drive behind his character with the death of his sister. I think that's when, for me at least, Tucker went from, you know, just an alright character to this is one of my favorites in the show. Because that that drive that he had, and it created some tense moments, especially in the Zindi arc, where he was like, well, why are we working with these guys? We should be wiping them out. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. One of the funnier moments that I remember with Trip is when 
Archer was complaining about his command chair, and um, Archer sits down, and he goes, oh, wow, this feels really good. What did you do? And he was like, I lowered it a centimeter. <laughs> a centimeter. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a good moment. I feel like there were a lot of funny moments with uh, Trip. Yeah, there, there definitely was. And none of it was ever, like, making fun of the character, or it's not like he was dumb or anything like that. He just, I think he had a great sense of humor, and he just got himself into a lot of uh, funny situations. Right. <laughs> One of my funny moments with him and uh, Malcolm was when they went to Ryza and they thought they were going to hook up with like these two hot alien chicks, <laughs> and it and they went to the back room and it turns out they were these shape shifting criminals. And <laughs> it was just this funny reaction when the aliens like changed from the hot chicks to these like weird, creepy looking aliens, and both him and Malcolm are like, "Whoa! Like, Holy crap!" <laughs> And I, I, I thought that was a pretty funny moment. Any other engineers on Enterprise that we saw? There was Kelby, right? Is that how you pronounce that yeah. name? Yep. Kelby, yeah. uh, who took over as the chief engineer briefly when Tucker transferred to the NX-02 in 2154. He stayed on as part of the engineering team after Tucker returned to the Enterprise and served as the acting chief engineer in Tucker's absence. Yeah, him and Kelby actually uh, really butted heads, and it was mainly because Kelby was pissed off that Tucker came back and essentially stole his, his position. Right. So they really butted heads there. Yeah, well, it didn't really seem like Kelby was all too qualified to be the chief engineer, in my opinion. Um, no, I, I I agree with you. Definitely, yeah. I I really didn't like Kelby. I think he was kind of a jerk, and like like Aaron said, he was a, a bit underqualified to run the first NX01, the flagship of the fleet. Yeah, at that time, the the only flagship. <laughs> yeah, uh, until the NX02 came along, and you, they must have made some improvements to the design of the the warp core and and stuff like that so it would be a a position that uh any chief engineer i think would want to take yeah and i think that's why initially he agreed to help them as well right are uh, we gonna talk about the jj universe now? the jj yes. <laughs> the JJ. so olsen was the original chief engineer olsen isn't um, olsen who got killed in the first one yes yeah, so five minutes of the movie it wasn't the first five minutes. Well, yeah. <laughs> but he, he was killed during the orbital skydive attempt over Vulcan to stop the Narada from drilling into the planet's core. Okay, I have to say this right now. Olsen was a complete moron. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I, no, I really hated that part of the movie. I think that part actually weakened it a bit for me. Okay. Because... It was like, oh yeah, let's grab Sulu, Kirk, and then the chief engineer of the ship. And it was just... Yeah, why would you send out the chief engineer? Right. And another thing, he was just like, all right, it's freaking Romulans. Let's kick some butt. Woo! Yeah. He was like a complete moron. Right. 
And I know they wanted to show, like, ooh, it's dangerous, orbital skydiving or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you would think a qualified Starfleet chief engineer wouldn't be so, all right, let's freaking go. Yeah. And, ooh, let's kick some ass. Yeah. And it it was like, what, you got nothing exciting on the ship to do? Like, are you that much of a death wish to, like, (laughs) go on this skydiving? I I just think he was a little too, uh, I don't know, he was just crazy. I really didn't like his character in the movie. That, yeah, that was no. one of the weakest parts of the movie for me. Well, Pike did ask uh, the crew if they had any type of combat training. So I guess Olsen had some kind of training. I, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I, I think it, w- it was mainly there because uh, he had some demolition expertise. Okay. Because he had the charges. Mm-hmm. But still, y- you would think that throughout their Starfleet training, you would think to know that, all right, don't be such a thrill seeker that you're going to kill yourself and not deploy the shoot when you need to. I just really disliked this character. I hated that whole part. Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons was, you know, it was the first red shirt that we saw killed in the in the movie. And you know what? They could have made Olsen just some random security officer. They didn't need to make him the chief engineer of the ship. The only reason they did that and kill him off so was that Scotty could take over. Yeah, that's what I was just going <laughs> to say. That That's probably the only reason why they made him the chief engineer. I think it would have been fine if, you know, he wasn't so thrill-seeking, and he was just like, all right, guys, let's do this. I've got the charges. Let's go. Let's do our mission. And if he got accidentally killed, or one of the Romulans killed him, and it would have been a more like, oh, no, not like, I'm a (laughs) thrill-seeker, And then I'm not going to deploy my chute and then get killed. Like, it just made him seem like a complete idiot to be running a starship. Right. It it (laughs) would have been cool if, like, some debris came up, hit him. I think that would have been more tragic, like, oh, we just lost our chief engineer than, oh, well, that guy was an idiot. (laughs) Right, yeah. Well, maybe they did so that we wouldn't fail for him. Oh, my God, Olsen just (laughs) killed him. We've lost Olsen. Yeah, that was Chekhov. Yeah, that was Chekhov. Yeah. He was like, Olsen. <laughs> oh my god! And then Chekhov in the new movie will end up in engineering, I guess. Yeah, it's a red shirt. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But next we have Scott again, Montgomery Scott. He was a a Starfleet officer, officer stationed on the outpost on Delta Vega in oh, this okay. timeline. I, I wonder if in the previous timeline, in our in our prime timeline, if Montgomery Scott was also stationed on this cell post. You mean if he did the same thing and, like, yeah. uh, beamed Admiral Archer's uh, beagle? Yeah. I wonder if that happened again or still happened or did happen. Well, his theory for transwarp beaming is at least in the Prime universe because Prime Spock knew about it. Who knows if he would have ever come up with it for real. Or maybe it was just some theory he tried doing for years and just never like it was a side project yeah and in the new universe bot prime just kind of gave him that push <laughs> right yeah oh here's here's the here's the whole the, formula <laughs> yeah here you go kid knock him dead <laughs> yeah they, they seem to do that just like scotty gave the formula for transparent aluminum in 1986 that's yeah. true so I wonder if that was kind of like a nod to that. Probably not, but... Uh, Actually, I, I think that might have been a nice nod to it. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
I'm I'm very interested to see Into Darkness. I mean, I think we all are. I think nah. <laughs> I think it'll be more story driven. I still think it's going to be fast paced, yeah. but I think there's going to be way less crammed than the first movie, where mm-hmm. it's just like origin story, origin story, origin story, like nonstop, yeah. like move, 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 move. I mean, I like the first movie. I just I hope we get to see more character development in mm-hmm. this new movie, especially with Scotty and cuz he wasn't really in the first movie a whole lot. Right. That actually a uh, side note of did you see the new pictures that were posted today? Uh no, I did not. Kumbabak in the middle of uh, a bunch of red shirts being escorted. Yeah, being escorted. What? Yeah. I'm not sure. One of them died. Oh, uh, something that I meant to put into the show notes. Entertainment Weekly will have two different collector covers coming out. Keep your eye out for that. One cover will have Cumberbach and Pine, and the other one will have Pine and Quinto. Nice. Quinto. Uh, Yes. So if you're into magazines and stuff and collecting, be sure to... Check that out on your news news stands uh, near you. All right. Uh, so yeah, moving on to subspace channels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so opening channels here. <laughs> channels open, Captain. <laughs> so our question for this week was: If you had a sh- ship, who would you want to be as your chief engineer, and why? So from the Twitter universe. We had a response from at Pounds, uh, but it's spelled P-W-N-3-D-S. I think it's at Pounds. Pounds? Pounded? Well, his, like, his <laughs> actual, the name that he has posted in, it's like Pounds spelled Pounds, but that's uh, how he has his Twitter handle. Uh, so that's the only reason why I'm going with Pounds, but it might be Pounds, I don't know. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah, this guy. He says Isaac Clark um, from from Dead Space. From Dead Space. <laughs> this this is a Star Trek <laughs> yeah podcast. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, but I put it in anyway because sure it was an did. it was an answer. You know, did, a sci-fi did we not answer. get a lot of answers? No, we didn't get a lot of answers. <laughs> so I was like, so okay. you, you'll take what you can get. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. And he followed our Twitter account. So oh, thank, okay. Thank you for following us. Thank you, pounds, pounds. Yeah, thank you, guy. So he says, Isaac Clark. In the event of a crash, it's imperative that one can handle a plasma cutter against possible alien necromorphs. Necromorphs. That would be it. Yeah. yeah. Which aren't in Star Trek, but it's it's yeah. all right. Sorry, right. it's it's sci-fi. I've played the games. I I actually have a marker from Dead Space Three. Okay. So it's a replica statue. That's cool. So I, I'm a big fan of the games. I really like Isaac Clarke. Uh, he's the main character. He's an engineer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but not Star Trek. But whatever. Not Star Trek. But <laughs> at least it's an engineer. Um... Yeah, at least it's a sci-fi engineer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we don't see a lot outside of Star Trek in no. other um, sci-fi franchises. Besides, like Han Solo and Chewie work on the Millennium Falcon, but I mean, other than that, I can't. So next we have. At little cute girl eighty six, I would choose Data even though he is not a chief engineer because he is awesome. He 
he knows lots of stuff that I wouldn't know. I mean, Data, he we know he knows how to repair things. That's he's a good re- point. He's repaired himself on occasion. He's worked closely with Jordy multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. So we know he would be a capable engineer. Next, we have at DJ Fun who says Miles O'Brien because he has a lot of experience from being on the Enterprise in DS9. Plus, I think he is fun to hang out with. And I think we kind of touched on that earlier. Uh, So, yeah, Miles O'Brien, cool guy, cool to hang out with. Next, we have... At Blase19. Blase19. Blase. Oh, Blase. Life goes on. Who says Scotty, of course. Of course. The emoticon for uh, a big smile. So, yeah, Scotty, of course. Cool. Cool guy, I guess, also. Next, we have some guy named Trekkie before 7 Yeah, some guy. Who's that? Oh, <laughs> it's <know>. me. <laughs> <laughs> Who says, trip from Enterprise. Good old southern guy, friendly, inventive, hard worker, would never let you down. Damn straight. True that home slice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, uh, on the Facebook, we have Eric Dewey, a uh, good friend of the show. Part of the Four Ride Radio Network. Network. Which we are now featured on Blog Talk Radio. Yes, we're a featured host on Blog Talk Radio. So if you're listening to us on Blog Talk, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yep, continue to do so. You're not hearing this anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they could be. They could be on uh, the iTunes or aren't on the website streaming in the browser. So Eric says... If I'm only picking from characters who were chief engineers, it would be a tough call between Scotty and Jordy, but I'll take Scotty. If I'm picking from any character, I would take Data. All right. So, yeah, we said with at little cute girl 86's answer, Data would be, you know, a capable engineer. He could be. Next on Facebook, we have Joey Q. Hey, Joey who says, I'm a Scotty man myself, but if it could be anybody, it'd be Seven of Nine. What? <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. She had vast engineering knowledge and helped out Balana and also gave Voyager some new technology. So right. she was very good to have and would be good to have as an engineer. I completely yeah. agree with that. Okay. And next we have some some guy named Marty Hogan who says Bilbo Baggins. What? <laughs> you know, good good old Bilbo Baggins. Engineer of the Hobbiton? Like, what? No. A, you know, the USS Hobbington. Hobbington. That's a good one right there. I'm not going to make fun of any answers that were given, so I guess uh, we'll... Yeah, you would. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll roll with that. So, do you know what puts my quantum state into flux? Into Fox, okay. Uh, <laughs> Remember to Fox. Uh, <laughs> so, shuttlecraft are a way for crew members to travel from ship to surface or from ship to ship. They were designed for short flights. Oftentimes, the shuttle was a plot device to isolate a person from the ship. Although shuttles had what appeared to be warp nacelles, I can't fathom a shuttle breaking the light speed barrier for a few reasons. One, where is the warp core? Is it a miniature core that fits in the floorboards, or is it housed yes. in? Yes. Or is it? 
<laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> or is it housed in the nacelles? Two. Warp drive requires a significant amount of matter and antimatter. Where is it stored? And how safe could that really be? Three, they didn't seem very worried of the shuttle in Star Trek V losing an antimatter containment when it crash landed in the Enterprise shuttle bay. And four, a shuttlecraft in Star Trek Voyager was able to break the transwarp barrier. How could a shuttle sustain such a speed? I don't know. I, For me, a shuttle being able to warp uh, seems a little far-fetched. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I think you're completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I think that there are, I mean, there are definitely different classes of shuttles. Shuttle pods are definitely not able to go to warp. The ones in the original series had limited warp capability. Right. To address some of your questions, yeah, there are miniature warp cores in the D Space Nine technical manual. They actually break apart a runabout. Well, yeah. that's a runabout. Uh, that is a completely still, different class. I, mm, I I can see a runabout going warp speed. I have no problems with runabouts going warp speed. It's the smaller shuttlecraft. I think I think the same um, theories apply. You can still fit a miniature warp core. And as far as you know, where the matter antimatter containment, where that's stored, how could that? really be safe. I think that they would use up their fuel pretty quickly anyway, mm -hmm. so I really don't think that's a big concern. I think shuttles are, even though they're meant to go maybe ship to planet, I think even the limited warp capability that some of them have, they could refill, like they could fill up after a mission. Well, see, like, the episode where Geordi is abducted by Romulans, he's in interstellar space by himself tra traveling between, a, like, a conference on a different planet and the Enterprise. So I can't see, and we don't see the shuttle going warp speed. We see it, like, coasting and probably impulse. The Enterprise could have been in system. Yeah. Uh, you know, it may well, have been. They, they would have. They would have noticed a Romulan decloaking and taking his ship. Objection, Your Honor. <laughs> and if if he was in the in the planetary system where the conference was, everyone else would have seen a Romulan ship decloaking and abducting a crew member. Maybe not abducting the crew member, but they would have noticed a transporter beaming him aboard. Well, whatever. <laughs> That's a good way to beat him. <laughs> no, I, I think I, I think there are certain classes of shuttle that don't go warp speed, mm -hmm. and I think there's some that are. Like and, a scout shuttle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And well even like in Insurrection when Data had that like scout chip, that was it looked pretty big. It wasn't like a small little shuttlecraft. It you could like... you could still say that I mean it was kind of like runabout, but yeah. I think all of those smaller ships are considered shuttles. I don't I don't know about the runabouts. I I think they're on a class uh, of their own. They're just really big. In my opinion, I don't know shuttles though. They they're really big shuttles, and I can see a warp core being in a really big shuttle. Uh, That's my I'm, story, and I'm sticking to it. Gosh dang it! Uh, well, <laughs> fine. Objection, Your Honor. <laughs> we'll, we all, we'll agree to yes yes well agree with me on this uh, shuttlecraft okay. shouldn't be able to break the transport barrier not unless they're fitted with benzamite crystals thank you <laughs> Voyager 
Case closed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you put that benzamide in, then you're okay. Still, there were obvious problems with it, and they never tried it again. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, that, that I think that's what stemmed my uh, my hatred of having shuttles going warp speed. Plus, it was the crappiest episode of Star Trek ever. So yeah, it was, yeah. Let's next time on Star Trek. <laughs> this guy goes transwarp and turns into a lizard. News at eleven. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want that episode to miscolor your opinion on shuttlecraft. <laughs> yeah. Well, it did. It did. But yeah, if any of you out there agree with me, or if you agree with Eric, you should probably write on our contact form. And you f- should probably agree with me, I'm I'm just saying. I do agree with you. What? Do. <laughs> oh, right. two against one. All right, Boom. so uh, we'll need to get other opinions. <laughs> we'll need to get some other opinions from the interwebs. Mark, do you have a uh, a real opinion about it, though? Uh, yes, I do, actually. I do agree with Eric, actually. I okay. believe, that's honestly what I do believe. It's not that I don't agree with you because of you. It's because <laughs> <laughs> I think that Eric is right. Plus, I mean, it's the 24th you know, century. Yeah. If, if, they can, if they can make anything go warp speed, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that they can create a stable, small warp field with a miniaturized warp core. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plus, I mean, they have to have a miniaturized warp core on a runabout. Even though it is larger than the shuttle, mm-hmm. it's really not that much bigger where it has to have a completely new warp core design. I think they could refit something slightly smaller onto a shuttle. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all my fans. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I will agree with you that shuttles seem unreliable for Yeah, um, that's an understatement. Because in Voyager they were crashing shuttles all the time. So Yeah, it didn't even seem like a fl- they could fly those things. While yes, they can go warp speed, do I think they're the most safest Stable. form of travel? No. Yeah. I think you need uh, a larger craft like the Delta Flyer or, you know, the Captain's Yacht and Insurrection. What, I think what Aaron sees is a lot of times they didn't show it at warp speed. Um, right. The, the only times the I shuttles. remember a, a shuttle at warp speed is in Voyager. I, I don't... And the reason why I think is because of that whole fact that it is more difficult to either control or maneuver or whatever at warp speed. So that's why I think that... They didn't do it. I, 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 th- yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I think the, the reason that um, in Voyager, they seem to be going warp speed all the time. I mean, just look at their design. The design was very slick. The, yeah. They meant it to go, like, like they called it the speedboat shuttle, because it looked like a speedboat. Yeah. So. yeah, it was supposed to be for more maneuverability, because remember where they were going. They were going to the, uh, the Badlands. The Badlands, yeah, and they needed all the uh, maneuverable support craft that they could. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. No. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll leave this to our uh, audience. Right. We'll we'll see what we get from that. Yeah. All right. So what's going to be our uh, topic for next time? The toys of Star Trek. That sounds like a good one for the next time. All right. Yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> okay. So uh, until next time, I'm Aaron Gallo. I'm Marty Hogan. And I'm Eric Barry. 
Good night. See ya. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com, on Twitter at sfescapepod, or on Facebook.com slash sfescapepod.